Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host, Gypsy. And today we have Benjamin Bressington. He is the CEO of BehavioralSales.com, a behavioral intelligence company. He is also a social engineer who applies his criminology, law, and gamification training to hacking human communication. Welcome to the show, Ben. Welcome. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. And where are you located? Uh, right now in God's waiting room, they call it, in Sarasota, Florida. Okay. okay. I, I noticed the accent there. Where are you from? Uh, originally uh, from uh, Brisbane, Queensland, so uh, down under. Wow, Australia. Okay. So what is a social engineer? I know I've heard of the term in like a technical term, but... Um, what what is that to you? Yeah, so uh, the term comes from the cyber security field uh, or the IT related field, and it's really uh, about how you hack humans because humans are the biggest weakness in the security environment. And it's like, well, uh, we can either try and hack the computer or hack the machine, or we can hack the weakest link. And that is all about uh, the person, right? So uh, in, in that, it's a broad category. It's like, so it's learning a lot about human skills, human communications, motivations. Um, there's the dark arts to this, which is like uh, influencing for bad things, which is what a lot of uh, cyber criminals do. They use that to influence to extract your password, for example, or to get you to bypass a security uh, protocol that's a place to protect you uh, because you're tired, it's the end of the day, whatever it is, right? Or So uh, social engineering is all about, okay, what are all the elements that go into pay place to being able to influence people? Um, some people say manipulate. It's manipulate, manipulation if it's usually in the bad form, but it's all about influence, persuasion, and that stems at its core communication from body language to our verbal communication and being able to gain instant influence, trust, and authority. These are all some of the principles of social engineering. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And like, how does those skills transfer into helping people um, with sales and business? Well, at the end of the day, uh, it's all about communication. And let's uh, and what I say is, uh, sales and business uh, is all about uh, creating conversations, and conversations create discussions, uh, and discussions create uh, relationships in which you can do business. If you cannot create a conversation with somebody. I can promise you, you're not going to sell them. It doesn't matter if you, you could have a thousand dollars in your hand and you could be trying to give it to them and they'll be like, oh, what's going on with this, right? They might think there's something wrong with it, right? We've seen that with someone trying to hand people money before and they're kind of like, they're like questioning it, like doubting it. Um, so the thing is, is if you can't have an effective conversation, how on earth are you going to present your offer? How are you going to present your, your product? How are you going to be able to close a deal? And without being able to do that, like, your side hustle, your business, whatever you want to call it, kind of seems to die very, very quickly. So what are some of the tips as far as to or that you use to kind of lead you towards, you know, reading a person or to setting up when, when you sit down and you have a new project that you're working on, what is you, what's mm -hmm. usually the process for? Yeah, so usually working with people. Um, the biggest thing we do is we train them on identifying the four different personality styles because there's all these personality assessments out there. And you have you ever done a personality assessment? Yeah, we've yeah. done yes. the Meyer Briggs. Myers Briggs. Uh, extrovert, that, yeah, yeah. Um, and a so, few other ones. I, I just don't remember the names. But 
So I got a question for you. What do you remember about it? I think I was close to borderline. It was like almost close to a 50-50 almost. But yeah, I don't quite remember too much. I remember about. it being hard to answer the questions because I kind of didn't know <laughs> where I, I remember thought. a lot of the questions were even where I'm at in life right now. I'm 38 years old. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an old characteristic versus a new characteristic right. to a certain degree as well. Who I may have been and basically who I am now is mm-hmm. different. But yep. once upon a time, I was that in particular, yep. you know, character. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, for people who are uh, entrepreneurial or in the business mind, like you always are constantly reiterating who you are to get you closer to your goals, right? Because you deal with rapid change. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems with these assessments is most people will do a personality assessment and they'll be like, um, oh, that was great. I got a lot of information about me possibly, but how do I use it? How do I implement this? How do I have a conversation with people? How do I use this for my team? Um, so one of the biggest things we teach people about is identifying the four personality styles. And from that, um, if you know what the four personality styles are, you can frame your conversations differently. You can change the way you communicate so they can hear you and connect with you more authentically and better. Does that make sense? Yes. So one of the first things we do is without an assessment is like, how do I identify the four different personality styles? And we use four different birds because the thing is, is, you can do these things all day long. And if you can't remember it and implement it, there's, what's the point of even doing it in the first place? Uh, and if you're closing a deal, you can't be like the last thing you can do when you're closing a deal is before you meet a lead, lead is ask them, hey, can I ask you 50 questions to try and work out your personality type? Right. How well is that going to go down? Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to go real well Isn't at all. Right. So the thing wise, is, is. Yeah. Yeah, so we teach people how to do it, like literally just looking at somebody. We created some software that will read your social media profile, read your LinkedIn, can read your Facebook, can read your Twitter, and literally predict with confidence what your personality style is. So imagine that you could have actually jumped on this call before you started talking to me and you could have actually worked out, hey, this is what Ben's personality style is, so this is how we need to approach him. So therefore, we can close the gap on creating rapport and influence much faster uh, because you can actually speak to my intrinsic motivations. You can communicate in a style the same way I need to hear it, uh, which might be slightly different from the way you uh, you normally communicate. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. How is it different with um, from artificial intelligence? Well, uh, it is an artificial intelligence, which is actually analyzing the the profiles. And it's based on all the algorithms that we created uh, to do that. Because we can, one of the things we do is we help salespeople analyze their body language and see where you're actually projecting your own beliefs and doubts onto the person you're talking to. And through that, you're sabotaging the presentation. You're sabotaging the sale yourself. Like, I'll give you a simple example. Um, we teach people in the sales world that uh, your communication is like a pendulum. So it swings back and forth, right? You're either posturing, so big, strong, brave, like this is who I am, right? All right? Uh, um, to, the, the, to what we call collapsing, right? And you swing back and forth. So you're either posturing big, like I've got it, all the answers, to collapsing. And most people, when it comes to negotiate price, they will collapse hard because have you ever done this? Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever negotiated with yourself uh, when you're trying to offer somebody a service or a product and like you can't kind of offer discounts that they didn't even ask for? Yes. I can see you smiling gypsy. Like, yeah. have you been in that position before? Yeah. I would, where you kind of rehearse with yourself to, before you do uh, present to someone else or. 
Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, so you've you've collapsed. Like I can remember being, and it's a sign of weak positioning, weak influence, um, and also weak belief. Like you end up negotiating with yourself. Like you go, hey, I can. Like you'll tell them the price, right? And then all of a sudden you'll go, but you know what? We're running a promotion today. I can give you twenty percent off. <laughs> and they might sit there and get, just say, hmm, right? And because they said hmm, like thinking about it, you've like, but you know what? I can probably go to the manager and see if I'm about doing something else. And like, I might be able to get you 50% off. Like they said, hmm, and you've already started reducing your commission, reducing the sale, devaluing your relationship, right? Yeah. So a lot of salespeople have that impact where when they come to a pricing point or something they have doubt over, they literally collapse fully. And it's when you get in um, out of alignment in your presentation like that, it causes massive issues for you because then you're starting to sell something like a lot of entrepreneurs have been in a position where it's just like they collapse so much they've literally eliminated their margin their profitability and they're pretty much paying their client to do the work for them because they pretty much gave their product away for free does that make sense yeah but yeah. how that's that's kind of hard not to do from a certain perspective depending on what field you're in and competition and things like that how do you work around that and also people, oh, you know yeah, that's a great question. There's many ways to work around that and, and deal with that. It's becoming aware that you are doing it and you have to become aware of what your triggers are in the conversation. Like at what point is it because you don't believe that they'll pay for it? Is it your belief that they don't have the money to pay? Is it your belief that the product's not worth it? Is it your belief that uh, they're struggling with budget right now? And that's funny you say they're struggling because they just went out and bought a new car. They just went out and got a huge line of credit. They just went out and bought a brand new iPhone, but you're saying that they don't have enough money to pay you? Like people will find the money if it's they believe it's worth it, if there's enough urgency. So the thing is, is that's where I mentioned before, it's like your core beliefs dramatically impact your ability to stay, stay strong with your offer. And a lot of people, uh, for example, one of the biggest things we found in our research is people hate silence. So if you tell somebody the price and go, okay, here's the price, and then go, so uh, how do you want to move forward today? And if you have to count to three in your head, right? Most people sit, get so uncomfortable with that silence that uh, they'll fill it. And the salesperson will fill the silence because they're uncomfortable asking hard questions and waiting for them, waiting for the person they're talking to to answer. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes I feel pressure as a customer when, like, I need time to think. I, I think a lot before I make the decision. So, but they get, I guess, yeah, nervous when there's a gap and they start, you know, saying stuff to kind of make me uncomfortable. And I'm like, you know what? I, I got it. I, I just need some time to think. <laughs> yeah, well, see, but what what you're in, what you're saying there is your personality style is what we could supply as the owl. So we teach four birds in personality style. And the owl is the person who likes all the details and likes to think about it. You like to be clear and concise. You're not going to rush into making a decision. You're going to do it, get all the data. You're going to get all the insights. You're going to get all the information you need. And you're going to think through all the options, right? And you're going to be like, okay, is this the right one for me? And if you get forced into making a decision, you probably become very, very uncomfortable, right? Like it's very reluctant. Yeah. It, it becomes very problematic. Is that, yeah, does that definitely. sound right? Yeah. yeah. So the thing really. is, is like, if I know that, me trying to pressure close you is actually going to make you do go the other way. Yeah. And it's going to kill the sale. And this is what a lot of salespeople don't realize is they, they, they have their script, but the script is one size fits all. Yeah. 
And that's one of the biggest problems with sales scripts is the sales script has to be personalized to the person. And if you can identify that, you will dramatically improve your sales. Like you could be pitching somebody for money, right? And because you've followed the wrong sales trainer, right? Who's just like trying to force it to close, pressure close, blah, blah, blah. You may kill the entire thing because you're too aggressive and you're not slowing down a little bit to let things sit with the person you're talking to because they, they don't want to see the full excitement. If you're too excited, you kind of scare them back too much. Does so that make sense? Yeah. What's a good example of what to do in that situation? How do you know when to pull back or when to, even though being patient in their silence, you know, before you, what's, you know, how do you know when to, to or what's a tip to know what to do in that situation? If, um, if you're, I guess, if you're a salesperson, you know, and well, how do you, if you're a salesperson, the best thing you can do is identify their personality style. So it's going to be one of four, right? I'm going to explain them real quick so you can get them right. And yeah, you'll I probably remember them earlier as well. What are yeah. the four? Or could you share them with us? You know? Yeah. So the, we use birds because it's very simple to answer, right? So I've already mentioned one of them is the owl, right? That's the, the this person is the educated, they have to know everything they want to know all the details like they want the white paper on how this thing works right and they're they're the person that's not going to rush in and make a fast decision they're going to have thought it out they're going to have done the research they're going to have been on the website they're going to have watched the videos they're going to possibly have spoken to like 50 different referrals like they're going to assess the situation right so that person can't be rushed then you've got to on the other side of that we've got what we call the pigeon Right. And what, when you think of a pigeon, what do you think? You think of a, a, a bird that's very flighty. They get scared easy, right? Like think of them in the park. There's Flying going to be flock, 10 yeah. of them. Yeah. There's going to be, they're going to be a flock, right? There's going to be 10, 50 of them. And when one gets panicked, what do they all do? <gasps> like all up in the air. And it's just like, whoa, somebody dropped a stick. Right. So now like you got a hundred birds in the air, like they're all. So when you now think of that, what person do you know that's kind of flighty? very social. They go with the crowd. Uh, when you ask them to lunch, they're the type of person that'll never be able to choose a restaurant to go to. They're also the type of person that goes, so what do you want to eat? Right. They'll be like, Oh, I don't know. There's just so many choices here. What are you having? What are you having? Like they'll kind of eat based on what everybody else is eating. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Do you know, do you know any people like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. a lot. <laughs> when you said it, it was just ringing a bell. <laughs> like, exactly. So you can picture that person, right? You can picture how they act. Then um, the next one is uh, what I call the peacock, which and I've called the peacock Vegas, right? Because I like to name them all because it helps me remember and tell a story. Okay. And Vegas is just like Vegas. The peacock is the person who is glitz, glamour. They've got the bling on. They've got the fashionable clothes on. Their shoes are shined, right? Because they want you to know they're wearing Gucci. They want you to know they're wearing like a $200 t-shirt, right? Or whatever it is, right? They yeah. like, that's important. To them. But they're also the social butterfly. They have the stories they love to tell. They're always just going to be telling stories. They're going to be very uh, people focused, right? So when you're selling this person, you got to be talking about the status that they'll get because they're associated with you and they're working with you, the people that they'll get access to, right? How this will make them more impactful, how this will connect them to more important things in life, right? Yeah. So you can picture a few people like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. We're in so downtown the last, LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then the last person we're talking about is the eagle. 
right? And the eagle is fast task orientated, right? They make decisions, snap, 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 right? They aren't wasting any time because they got tasks to get done and they care about the ROI, right? The return on investment, right? Um, this person is very decisive, very quick. Um, a lot of managers are usually in this or fall into this role. Um, and as a result, they're... Um, all driven for that action. A lot of people can find them arrogant at times. So some personalities, if you're too D-ish, people will go, oh, that person's a, a pain in the ass or, or whatever it is, but that's just their personality. Like they've made a decision. You talking about where you're going to lunch? They said, let's go get tacos, right? They're already walking down the block to get tacos, right? And you're kind of still thinking about, I don't know, I had tacos last week. Oh, I could maybe go... They've already gone and ordered already, right? You can place yeah. those people, right? Like they're like, what the hell are you doing? Like <laughs> hurry on up, right? So you got to understand those four birds. And if you can do that, you can start to frame your communication with your quotes. If you can just do that, I can guarantee you your conversations with anyone can start to transform because you're like, hold on. We all think a little bit differently. We all make decisions a little bit differently. And because of that, uh, we need, I need to, I need to be aware of how to better serve you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I love your choice of birds on that as well. And it's funny. That so I, we'll, can, your, your I was going to say, let's test your skills. What are the four birds? Oh, owl, um, pink, uh, pigeon, uh, peacock and eagles. And I remember, or it's, it's weird that I can see myself of kind of being, like you said, almost each characteristic once upon a time i've seen how i've changed as a shopper or as a, a customer if somebody was yep. selling to me i can see how i may have used to be this way i kind of used to be this way and you know maybe this way now you know i can see that in each bird as well because yeah i'm 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 a, a easy person to kind of I'll, I'll listen to you a little bit if i want it i don't want it i used to be like that now like you said, I, I know exactly what I'm going for. So the sales pitch is really not going to help me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to, like when you said the restaurant, I need to look at the entire menu yeah. <laughs> and, and see all my options before I make a decision. And I, I already know what I ordered. <laughs> you, 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 you can't take those type of people to the Cheesecake Factory, right? Because that 500 oh page menu God. is just like, come I, on, like the, like the happy hour is already over. Like, let's go. Dude, yeah. I've been to a restaurant that had 200 items on the menu. It was a nightmare. It's like, what? In the <laughs> Luckily, I can narrow some things down based yeah. on certain categories, but it's like, yeah, that's a nightmare. I usually already know the dish like, that I want, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so one of the things that I you brought up, but I don't think you realize how important it is, is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they do a personality assessment and they think it's um that's that's their way for life but the thing is is what we found with personality and communication is it's dynamic and it's contextually driven so for example at work you could be one way uh, at work with your friends you could be a different way if you're managing or if you've got a leader team you have you kind of you put on this persona you put on this mask that you wear under that circumstance you can be totally different when you're at home on the couch nobody's around or when you're at home with family like you may go from being an eagle right to the pigeon at home where you're serving family and you're helping family and you're you're the caregiver or whatever it is right you can completely change roles and what a lot of people do is they take this personality assessment 
and they think it's like that snapshot for life. This is who I am. This defines me. But what it's doing is it's just giving them a snapshot of how they think they are in that circumstance. And they're trying to apply it like a paintbrush to life, right? Yeah. So one of the things we found with the technology we've created is being able to assess people under different contexts. So, for example, we can analyze emails and email patterns. And by doing that, we can go, well, uh, when you're researching the product and submitting emails, you're this personality style. But when you became a customer, you became this style. And it's important to be aware of the change. And what we're now looking for is if it changes again, it can highlight there's a problem. Or we can actually predict churn, which means you're about to leave or cancel a service, right? Just because of the change in your word pattern. Right, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Let's say if you aren't a good salesman and you're, you know, you have a business. Well, I can't say you have a business. Maybe you are trying to grow your business, but mm -hmm. you're not a, you know, a good salesman. What do you, what circumstances, you know, do you kind of just really say, all right, forget it. I have to invest in someone that can communicate with people and can read people. Or do you, you know, do you say, all right, I have to myself fill this position and go ahead and change for some people, business owners who actually have a choice, which one would you usually? Yeah. So advise? communication is fundamental to everything we do, right? Like if you can't communicate to your loved one, if you can't communicate to your kids, right, there's a huge problem. You're going to create conflict. So the thing is, is you have to identify that, well, hold on, all communication starts with me and I'm going to be the common denominator in every conversation, right? So you, you can either be the one who's going to suck at it, all the time and like that's then the, the persona like the mask you put on and go look i'm going to suck at this conversation and it's not going to go the way i want it to go right or you can own it and go hey i need to improve this i need to be better and i need to take some training on becoming a better communicator so you can enhance some people aren't um uh i wouldn't say nobody's nobody comes hatched as a great salesperson right they come hatched as a good communicator who can connect with people. Um, and the thing is, is some people have to work at the communication. Like I sucked at communicating, talking to people, connecting with people. I was really an introvert. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was so shy. So like connecting to absolutely anybody like would make my hands sweat. I'd be mm. sitting there panicking. My heart would be going a million miles an hour. Right. And the thing is, is I had to become aware of me. And then I had to work on improving my communication. And it took me years, like it took me 10 years to get to where I am today. Like, and now what I know, I can literally fast track people's communication styles in, in, in 15 minutes. I can fast track and I can fast track their results in an hour or two. And that's why we've got the training programs and the courses to support that, right? So the thing is, is yes, if you're running a business, you need to identify who you are and how you fit in the team empowerment. But at times, you have to get better skilled people. And the best thing you can do is bring on better skilled people to, as you get, get the right people on the bus because it helps you accelerate your business faster. Did, did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I think some of the biggest mistakes uh, you know, people can make is think that they've got to do it all or have to do it all. Um, and if you're doing it poorly, well, you're reflecting on your business poorly too. Right. And the thing is, is do you have the time to invest in yourself and your business for you to master that part of it? Or is it better for you to bring somebody on and learn from their greatness so you can help you get the results you want 
quicker. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because Okay, I was gonna say I'm glad you you mentioned that you are introvert because you definitely can't tell now. But I'm also an introvert and just but you didn't stop there. You didn't let that stop you. You kind of you know you got you became aware of it and you figured out how to change and you didn't just identify with that and just say this is how I am. You kind of worked on it and now you you see a completely different person. So. Well, can we talk about that for just a second? Because yeah. this might help some people who are listening. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. So, so you said, well, I'm an introvert, right? And I could see you own that. Like you, I could see in a, your whole community, you like you were proud that you're an introvert, right? But I want to, I want to call you out on something. It's also a belief that you portray forward, right? Mm -hmm. You can be an introvert, but you can put on a persona. So the question I would ask is, when you jump on this podcast, for example. What belief, what persona do you step into? What identity? Like I challenge people in the book, this is why we created the book People Ignorant, to design their identity, design the persona they're putting on. So like, for example, as the closet introvert, we're going to call it because that it just always stays there. It doesn't mean it's got to be what people experience. Yeah. So if if you were designing your host persona, your your uh, your podcast persona, what what would be in that? What, what traits, what personality styles, what would make a fantastic host? Uh, I guess a curious person, um, just a, a good communicator, um, has a, a lot of experiences that they can... Um, draw examples and different things from personal experience um i don't know those are just i think it's some things that i don't know sometimes yeah. i think it's opinionated it depends yeah. on you know the certain show or topic or what's kind of so, going yeah. on because you know you could be a great host if i'm not interested in the show i'm just not interested in the show to give you the credit that you're a great host but you know it, it, no, All right, it, so let, let's step through this a little bit further. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask you guys a question. <laughs> have you named your persona? Have you named the identity you step into when you start to lead the show? When, when I, I guess my stage name came from music, from me doing okay. music. So that was one identity and that was something that was there. But even now, as I still carry classic onto the podcast stage, I don't have a... Um, a certain, you know, persona or style of host that, of course, we're all influenced by other podcasts and I can say influenced by um, Joe Rogan's style of podcasting and just to really have more of a genuine conversation. So yeah. as a host, I don't really look to come off as a, you know, very high energetic. This is for the fans and audience and it's all about the likes and clicks and I, I can't come off as that kind of. Yeah, horse. but classic, classic can have a persona and identity. Classic yes. can have traits, right? Yes. Classic can be this thing that people think you are all the time, right? So the thing is, is it either is defined or it isn't defined. And if it's not defined, you're becoming fluid and flexible to every circumstance and allowing yourself to collapse under situations, which is not good because it means you're out of alignment of what you're actually trying to do. Right. So one of the big challenges is I would highly recommend is you design 
classic. You design Gypsy. You design their personality traits, who they are. I'd even define what your villain is. What are you standing against, right? I'll tell you mine. Mine's Mikey, right? Mine, Mikey is this little high-pitched little guy that sits on my shoulder, right? And he wants me to procrastinate. He wants me not to, to return that phone call because you know what? He sits there and goes, see, Ben, I told you you're not worth it. I see, Ben, they aren't interested in working with you, Ben. Like he just nags. <laughs> and you know what? I sit there and go, you're laughing. But you know what I'm doing? I am using advanced psychology to actually allow myself to cope with the situation and go, you know what? No, Mikey, this ain't how this is going to roll, Right. And there's so there's a I have and I've got uh, JP as my sales persona because JP is confident. And you know what's cool about JP? He don't need a full name. He just needs initials because he's that good of a sales closer, right? <laughs> JP will connect with anyone, anywhere. He'll make them laugh. He'll make them smile. He'll make them want to pay him not just top dollar, but the most money they can afford because they understand when they deal with JP, they're going to get to where they want to get to. Right? Do you understand that difference? And now. Yeah. So I can be my introvert, but when I do on the, like when I pull out the phone or when I get on the, the headset talking to talk to people, I step into the role of JP. If you talk to a lot of professional athletes, right, what you won't realize is they have a ritual before every game and they're literally donning a persona. Some of them will actually carry, like for some of our clients, we literally make tokens they can put in their pocket and they can rub this little token, which like it like it's it's their activation on their confidence, like you can have instant confidence, you can have instant influence, you can have this. But most people don't realize that if you don't design it, you're allowing yourself to be dictated by the situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And I definitely have all of those people are, you know, it, it's funny, you decided to name it. I just didn't name, <laughs> I don't have a name for all of them, but I, yeah. I understand what, <laughs> what you're saying because it's a different almost like it's a different person for each like sometimes yeah we call it walk-ins like it's a almost a different person that i bring to a different scenario yeah um, because she's even since we've done the podcast and started we've been in la for four years and mm -hmm. we've been together over 10 years and mm -hmm. I never quite, when we first started, you could say the first five, seven years, I've never would have thought that she would still be doing podcasts or like this, even opening up and speaking like this. So I've seen how she, you know, she basically, I almost kind of forgot where I was going. I've seen how she's kind of changed. Um, but I would say based on Gypsy's personality, she's steady and consistent. And once she's locked in on something, she's not going nowhere. So I already know that from her personality style. The thing is, is you're just realizing that she's not going anywhere. And she, once she understands it and once she knows what the system is, like you, you task one through 10, right? You're gonna, you've got a checklist. You're doing it like for every show, for everything you do, you've probably got checklists or notes on stuff, right? Yeah. 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 And the thing is, is you're going to see it all the way through. But I'd, I'd, I'd probably go classics, probably the other side of that. He's probably going to like, hold on, we can skip steps three and through five today because it's just not needed today. And where you're like going, <laughs> oh, skipping no. steps. I will have anxiety unless we go through all the steps. So exactly, And, and right? I love that about it as well. You know, that is one of the walk-ins that I do appreciate because sometimes I'm just more like, a, 
you know, hey, we're just going to wing it. You know, and she's like, no. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wing it. That's, no, that doesn't. <laughs> but I've had a couple of, like, even with my music, I could say that's one of the my walk-ins from podcasts is one thing. When I'm street performing or when I used to street perform, that was a whole total different guy. That was, a you know, a completely different experience. I guess what I was going to ask, the more you spend time in a character or in which characters, that's usually the one that I guess you kind of mold to more. How long does it usually take do you, um, for someone to really kind of be able to adapt from maybe, like you said, to get Mikey out of your ear for a little bit and to kind of spend more time here and to be able to change your life, if not, you know, your or see progress. Well, it, it actually in an instant, you can redesign your personality and re reinstall beliefs in an instant. Like That's there's good. hypnosis for that. Uh, the CIA techniques that actually like they use to actually reprogram people's personality styles. Like, have you ever seen the born identity uh, or the ultimatum movies? Like that type of stuff is actually real. It was actually called project artichoke. And there's a whole lot of sciences that come out of that to actually facilitate instant change. Wow. You can't do it. It's just, the problem is, is most people don't realize that I've got a belief that it's going to take me six months to make this happen. I get a belief it's going to take five years to do this. So you know what the underwriting current for every decision and everything is, is this, this filter that your core beliefs. And that's why you have to be really aware of your, what your core beliefs. And the problem is what most people don't realize is your beliefs got set when you were a seven-year-old child. So the thing is, is right now in LA, think of this. It's a whole bunch of seven-year-old children running around making decisions to protect themselves from not being hurt or embarrassed, right? And now when you decide to put that in context, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you've got a whole lot of insecurities. You've got a whole lot of kids that were, that were bullied or ridiculed. So you know what? They, buy the, they, they drive the big trucks or they get super jacked because you know what? They got to show people they're so strong and they're not going to be intimidated by nobody. Right. And the thing is, is they kind of put off this dickish approach. And the thing is, is you have to go have to look at yourself and go, what happened when you were a child to make you look at the world as though you've got to be bigger and stronger than everybody and you've got to hurt everything around you. All right. So the thing is, when you can actually start to see the world based on the belief patterns and the and belief patterns create programming. Your belief pattern like programs how you will respond to every type of situation. Like it, it controls how you'll respond, what you'll do, everything, because it's just your program. And it could have come from your parents. It could have come from your grandparents. You could actually be dealing with a multi-generational belief or misconception because at some point someone didn't have food, right? Some point somebody got kicked out of the tribe. And the thing is, is most people aren't aware of that. So becoming aware of your beliefs, your patterns, your personas is one of the best things you could ever do for yourself because it's the only way you're going to create change. Does that all make sense? I know it's probably a little deeper than you expected. No, I know even to go when you went back a little bit and it kind of remind me to seven years old, I wanted to ask, um, what was it like growing up where you're from and when did you get to, um, I love it, God's waiting room? (laughs) Yeah, so I got over here 10 years ago, uh, and it's been a constant evolution. But, like, I say living in Australia is similar to Florida uh, because of the the weather, right? Like, Australia's got similar weather. The people are different. We have a different cultural. Like, there's a saying in Australia called no worries, right? Like, 
everyone says, no worries, don't worry about it. But the problem is, is we all do worry about it. We go home and like, we'll, we'll get frustrated with it. We won't take it on. Like, but people are very, very friendly. So the thing is, is very much the same, but the thing is being able to deal with more international cultures to like Australia is a very international melting pot of people. Like I got to go to Asia regularly, like when I was a teenager. So I got to get experience to Hong Kong or Japan and, and Bali and places like that where like, it's totally different. The world is totally different over there. If that makes sense. Yeah. How long is the flight? If you don't mind me asking from, um, from where, um, uh, from LA, yeah, no, Asia to Australia. You were saying you were. Uh, to it's experience. actually shorter to go from Asia, so we can be in per, most places in Asia in less than four hours, where okay. it's like thirteen to eighteen hours to literally get to LA, depending on where you take off from. Right. So the thing is, most people, and it's cheaper to go to Asia. Yeah, like you can go to Asia for like forty nine bucks. And the thing is, is to get to the US, it's like seven hundred bucks one way. Right. So yeah. it's a big, big difference. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so there's a bigger Asian influence, which, once again, because those families work in a certain way, you get to see that, you get experience to that. Um, and there's a massive cultural difference, which uh, you either learn to appreciate or you, you use it as an excuse for what's keeping you small. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the biggest like culture shock you experienced when you first moved to America that you didn't expect? I know it's not probably the, uh, not too different from Australia, but what? the biggest thing I noticed was the the choice of options. Like there's options to everything, and like uh, when I left Australia, there was no Costco. So when you walk into a Costco, it's like it's like a playground, right? Like you, I mean, I can get a coffin here, I can get a bed, I can get hot dogs, <laughs> like like, and like you walk around like and just seeing pallets upon pallets of stuff. Mm. Right, because you got to remember, Australia is also an island, right? So the thing is, is everything either gets flown in uh, or uh, boat in. So the thing is, is you don't have necessarily that many options because it's it's expensive at times to get stuff there, and like the cost to get stuff to there now is actually increasing, right? So the thing is, it's becoming more expensive. Where in the US, you got a multitude like stuff comes in from Mexico, stuff comes in from by boat, by train, from Canada, like. You've got all these options um, and it's, it's a good thing and it can be a bad thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, that was one of the biggest things I noticed. Uh, one of the other things I noticed was um, I would say there's more instant gratification in the US. So people are looking for something that an instant quick fix. Um, and uh, that's not necessarily a good thing because it's just like, well, if you, they're constantly seeking instant gratification for instant happiness rather than being happy in the moment and enjoying the journey uh, and being able to sit back and relax. Does that make sense? What, yes. What, um, what about, like in your perspective, what about the U.S. you think influences that instant, the need for instant gratification? Well, I was in, uh, I, I got to spend a, a month in Spain, uh, a year and a half, almost two years ago now, just before uh, uh, COVID started, actually. Um, and it was quite fascinating. Like, have, you, have very, either of you been to Spain, Europe over there yet? Um, we stopped we, in Madrid on the way to Greece. For a quick yeah, stop. Yeah, we just, just looked around a little bit. Then ran back yeah, to well, the we, I, Yeah, I got to <laughs> hang in Madrid and, um, and, uh, a few places for the entire month. And we literally got an apartment and we lived in that apartment like locals. And what was fascinating is 
stuff doesn't open until 10 o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, stuff closes at two and everyone's going to be having lunch for two hours, right? Um, stuff then closes again at six, right? From six until eight because it's family hour, family time. So you'll notice like everything closes down. Uh, some of the restaurants do, some of the restaurants don't. And literally like families will be out on the street playing, right? And then they'll go back to work and they'll work until 10 and then they'll go have dinner at like 10. So it's like the priority was on living life first, not working, working to live life, not making your life your work. Um, and that European influence I think is is quite phenomenal. It takes a lot of people who don't go to Europe. It, they find it hard because uh, you just your your life is literally defined by your work, right? Yeah. Rather than the other way around. Right. And, and some people that's fine, they're happy with that. But uh, you've got to ask the question of like, is that really the right way to live life? Because what's the legacy you're leaving? Like, is your work going to impact? Is it going to change anyone, or is it just for you're doing it for the dollar and uh, who really cares? I'm not, nothing wrong with that. Like I'm all pro making money and making as much money as you can, because when you make money, you can actually create a difference. It's much harder to make a different, uh, create a difference or create a legacy without the, the resources to do it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And I'm sure things have changed over time. You, you, I, I'm kind of wonder when did they start, you know, implementing that into their, you know, into the public people. And always like that in terms of like how they closed, the structure right. of the because Italy is the same way. Um, like they yeah. close midday, and even in August, like I think most of the country takes like a vacation in August. Right. So it takes three weeks off. It was yeah. from yeah. a certain time, and then you know you're kind of looking at the culture in certain places, or at least you know just like you said, the legacy in today's time. That's kind of what are a lot of the values and things. So sometimes it comes, I guess it would come down to the value of that in particular culture from certain people feeling, I want to leave a legacy of this, this, and this versus our family name. And we're good hearted people. And this is our legacy. It's, yeah. I could see that being the two different legacies in the in that in particular but, time. Yeah. But one of the big problems too is the material need. You're chasing a material need, which is endless um, emptiness. Like, yeah, it's all good and well to have the nice car and the big house, but like, if you constantly like, one of the big problems I notice is that a lot of people get the big house or the the fancy car, and then like, it within a few days it becomes empty. They they're already planning the next one. Yeah. Right, they're planning the one after that. The thing is, is they can't enjoy. There's no enjoyment of what you've got because you're like you'll feel like you're competing against everything and everyone, and therefore, how do you actually enjoy what you have? How do you like really love it? And who cares if you you have one car every ten years? But when you do get a car, it's the best on for what you have. But like, there's that different lifestyle thing. Like, um, and uh, there's a. I can remember growing up in Australia, like um, Sunday, everything was closed. Like Saturday, things would be open until maybe five o'clock, even the grocery stores, right? Like, and then on Sunday, nothing was open. It was family time. Like, and all you do is you'd uh, go have breakfast with family, you'd have lunch, you'd have, you'd play by the pool, you'd, you'd have activities, all this type of stuff. So the thing is, is, I always thought that it was strange. And then when like they started to open seven days a week in some of the capital cities, like the capital cities did not the rest of the state. So 
it would made that fascinating as well because you, I, I got to experience the change. But And then you come to the US, they expect you to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you don't answer in five minutes, like there's a problem, right? They're already looking for somewhere else to go. I'm like, yeah. well, enjoy yourself, right? Like, because that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but what do you guys think about that? Um, I guess I'm originally from Mississippi. So even just kind of understanding how things are now still and or kind of to a certain degree in even what we want to do in Mississippi, we want to kind of buy land and have a farm and do that, those types of things. Um, along with, you know, generational wealth. I see, um, I see a, 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 a big gap in culture or even just the lifestyle of living from, and it's just a lot of it is honestly, it's just a person's opinion, because like you said, you got the different characters of people and from the owl might may want one thing out of life. The pigeons want one thing, you know, the, the peacock wants one thing and the eagle wants something. But my legacy and even what I've, what I, my fire, the fire that burns in me, it is definitely not the same legacy as my personal family so just like with you i don't know if you have family here or if you ventured here on your own those are some of the things i I can say that's you know one of the things that that have me rooted to say hey i do want the peace of mind and i want the wealth as well but can i like you said really force it upon a certain society or can i maybe taste of some of that over there in this country at a certain time, taste some of this, taste some of that, taste some of this, but the actual reality or the possibility of there really being, or us, we can't reverse from that. We, like you said, we 24 hours a day. How would we implement or how would we even try to move in that in particular direction to well, say, you hey, have to set the boundaries and the rules, right? And one of the things I think what you mentioned was fantastic in the sense that, uh, you'll, if you ever look at successful people, they'll control who they let around them because the problem with family and going home to family is that family are frozen on the thought of who you were and it's hard for them to see the change and see the transition and they don't realise that they're subconsciously, sometimes it's not conscious actions, it's subconscious in their belief, their assumption that you were who you were and they, it's hard for them to notice the change or they think the change is temporary because they don't want to change. They're comfortable the way they are. And your success can sometimes be very intimidating and cause them issues, right? So the thing is, is you'll notice successful people will control who they interact with, how they interact with, and they may not interact with family or friends they went to college with, for example, because those friends are the ones who still get drunk three nights a week or like go home and just they don't do any positive change. They're not reading books. They're not performing. They're not trying to enhance their skills. It's like literally five o'clock they switch off into somebody else's problem. Right. So the thing is, is uh, if you want to take it to the next level, you have to be aware of that. And it's, it's nothing negative about your family or anything. Cause I have to do the same thing with my family. And the thing is, is I have to be aware that when I'm talking to them, I can't inherit their beliefs again because I work so bloody hard to shut Mikey up 
And if I let them make Mikey louder, all I'm doing is repeating their patterns when their patterns aren't actually serving me. So one of the things you need to work out and ask yourself, is that belief serving me and empowering me or is it limiting me and um, restricting my life? And the thing is, is if you're always asking yourself that question about any belief you have, you'll be able to check in and you go, all right, well, this isn't serving me. So you know what? Piss off, Mikey. I don't need this crap in my life. And, and you have to be aware of that. Sometimes you can have a conversation with loved ones and go, you know what? That statement you make to me or you refer to me about how I used to be that way, I am not that way anymore. So if you can't change that or see me in a new light, it's going to change the way we, work. we all have to operate here. Does that make sense? Yes. And even for you to be able to hear that voice, Mikey, in your head, we do meditation. We're familiar with meditation. Do you, as far as your experience with meditation, Mm -hmm. how do you, um, how would your, you know, is your experience with meditation and kind of helping towards dealing with people or is there a certain type of, do you find that it helps a certain technique? Oh, 100%. Where there's something. And so the thing is, is, yeah, yeah, like, just it allows you to start to be conscious of your thoughts because the problem here is it's all unconscious programming that's sabotaging us every single day it's when you go into autopilot that's where you um that's where you're not maximizing your performance because you're letting other habits other programs run you like under think of yourself as a script and the thing is, is how often are you updating that script? Like most people, as I said, get their, their belief pattern set in it for, as a five to seven-year-old child. And they let their entire life be run by that seven-year-old in the playground who got bullied. And they never at any point in time reset their personality, reset their beliefs, reset their style. And if they did, that they'd be able to have more success, be able to enjoy life and design what they want. Because who instilled that first belief in you? Someone who wasn't looking out for your best interests, I can promise you that. And from a behavioral perspective, right? But what if there's three think things they're right? looking out for your best interest? Huh? They always so what, think they what, do, but yeah. they're really not. What if they, yeah, they think they. Yeah, so there's three things people are looking for they're looking <laughs> for food and shelter, they're looking to reproduce, and they're looking to not get kicked out of the tribes. So they're not looking to be embarrassed. So the thing is, is when I hear a lot of people go, oh, my parents didn't want us to be embarrassed or didn't want attention drawn us or didn't want us to show we were smarter than anyone else because that that meant bad whatever it means that they weren't so smart or whatever it is like they've got their rationale right and the thing is is you have to be aware of that so the thing is is we're primitive animals like we literally respond the exact same way a dog responds to a lot of stuff in many situations and through body language you can literally influence and control people subconsciously through body language and most people aren't aware of that um and like we teach people some of the basics with that that's there's some phenomenal stuff out there with belief patterning and designing your personas and like if people implement just some of the stuff we've spoken about today i can promise you they can see results very very quickly who are some of your inspirations and people that you know you read about and you know study to learn more about what you do there's lots of them. Now, over the years, as I've gone through the whole myriad of the whole self-help circle and constantly developing stuff. Right now, I'm on a, a massive kick on reading the stories and biographies of billionaires because like, they have a totally different thought pattern and belief pattern. 
Um, um, if you haven't heard of him, uh, he's got a podcast as well, uh, Alex Horowitz. I think that's how you say his name. His podcast, The Game. Um, this guy's absolutely fantastic with his thinking and his methodology on how he shares with you the insight of like transforming your business and transforming your your offer. And most people don't realize that with their business, they just don't have the right offer that scales. Like you're literally in a business where the offer isn't scalable. It could be good money right now. You could be in a service based business, but the way you're offering it, it's not the way to true wealth. Like it's okay if all you want is like a, a business, which is a pseudo job. Some like that's the, that's small business in itself, but that's not going to create generational wealth. So it requires a different thought process of like, how do you scale that business to 10 million, 20 million, a hundred million dollars, but improve the profitability? Cause I know many people have got a 10, $20 million business and their margins like us crap. They're no better than when they were when they were like a hundred thousand dollar business. Because like they don't have the take home income, they don't have the, the the asset growth that they need. So it's like for some people, profit is a dirty word. And the things that doesn't have to be. So I study a lot of people who, yeah, um, are big successful people, not just like Elon Musk or anything like that, but even when you go and like study like Einstein, look at the old money, look at Ford. Um, look at people all around the world, like what, how did they build in that generation? Because we're all the same. People are people, right? Have been for a few thousand years. So the thing is, is history just continues to repeat itself. Most people can't even see that or see those patterns. It's happening with everything. Crypto, NFTs, happens with every business model under the sun, right? And most people can't see that. Um, And I love learning about people who have, gone from nothing or that immigrant and just been all created all the way through to success and what they had to deal with. And I honestly think that most people aren't really committed to do what's required to be be successful because they all want that instant wealth and they want to be a millionaire before the end of the month. But if you listen to any of the people with real money, seven years, 10 years of grinding it out and then it started to come together. Then it's like a train getting momentum that just freaking starts to go bang. And people are like, where'd you come from? What do you mean where I came from? I've been doing the same bloody thing for 10 years. I didn't come from, I just, it's not like I showed up last night. It's just, I came into your world, your orbit last night. Yeah. Totally different thing. Um, I'm sure you've seen it in the music world too, right? Yeah. Definitely can relate. Um, I guess I, um, before we close it out like i wanted to know about um what you do at behavioral uh behavior science sales sorry behavior sales, yeah. <laughs> um like what what do you um what do you offer people? how do you help people if they want to yeah so at behavior sales yeah yeah so it's um we help people improve their sales conversation so it's really simple uh if you're looking to improve your sales game your ability to close deals faster we created technology that can help you identify personality profiles by converting somebody's email into a personality type so you can look at a lead that you're about to talk to and go hey this person's an eagle great boom how do i how do i approach an eagle right um we also uh, provide people with software that analyzes that communication uh, to see uh, what you can do to close sales better. What you missed in the presentation. Did you miss that who you're talking with? You don't have influence over them. And if you don't have influence over them, what's going to happen when you go to close them? 
nothing's going to happen, right? So the thing is, is anyone who's selling a more complicated sale or a longer sales process where you need to um, understand the kind of unspoken, we help you give data to that unspoken information and allow you to gain a competitive advantage. Um, So we do that for a lot of our clients. We provide sales training, sales coaching to help people become more aware of who they are. And like one of the things we provide is what we call 5X sales coaching. So because our goal is to help you 5X your sales um, over the course of working with us. Um, and it really helps you look at, okay, how am I selling right now? Uh, how do we give you real-time feedback on the conversations you're having to go, hey, did you miss this body language when that person was presenting, when, when that person was talking to you? Did you miss that they had an objection right there and you didn't handle it? So when you tried to close them, they weren't ready to close because they're still struggling with the objection that you didn't respond to 10 minutes ago. And like it's that real-time feedback loop because it's not just about making more calls. No, no, no. We need to improve the quality of every call. We're getting in a world where we need to connect with people more authentically and have a better connection with people faster, not waiting 20 connect attempts because you, you may not have 20 attempts to connect with somebody. True. Like how do you make the most of every conversation? And that's that kind of data loop, data feed we can provide people with um, as well as the training and how do I just communicate better? How do I identify personalities better? How do I identify my team and all the personality types? And how do I make sure they're all being empowered the most effective way that they can be empowered because of their own personality types? Does that make sense? Yes. It's definitely been a pleasure talking to you. Um, any links you'd like to leave for the audience? Tell them where to. Yeah, so people can just check it. Yeah, behaviorsales.com is the, the best place to get access to us. So that's behaviorsales.com. Um, and if they want to check out the book that we've just published, it's called People Ignorant. Because um, it's my belief that people have become ignorant in the ways of communicating to each other. And I think we can change it. It's my goal to help people kind of transform their communication over the next few years. We definitely appreciate you for your work and everything because we need that change. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great having a conversation with you and learning from you. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed. Thank you for listening. And for the podcast, you can find us at americangypsy.com, gypsy spelled G-Y-P-C. Um, you can find our merch uh, clothing for at uh, luamli.com. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to the listeners for listening. And also, if you'd like to check out a little instrumental music, you can look me up at Classic Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. And that's K-L-A-C-C-I-K is classic on Spotify, iTunes and other platforms as well. And you don't have to worry about uh, remembering all these links. They will be in the description. Oh, yeah. And thank you. Thank you again. Consistent self-improvement, everybody. And we'll see you next time.